The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcisoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the VCM Quick Strike for Monday, July 4th, 2022. Starting off with a little bit of feel-good news for Independence Day today. A Dutch university wins big after a Bitcoin ransom was returned. And this from DW.com. So apparently, a ransom was paid by Maastricht University three years ago. And that ransom, or at least part of it, has been, I guess it's all of it, has been returned. And thanks to a significant increase in the value of Bitcoin since 2019, this Dutch university actually came out ahead. You don't really hear of being able to recover ransom, let alone it tending a profit. In this sense, the account had actually increased its value to from originally from 40 euro to 500,000 euro. University spokesperson said that the money will not go to a general fund, but into a fund to help financially strapped students. So one good piece of news on this Monday. Moving to a not-so-happy report from BleepingComputer.com, a rogue HackerOne employee steals bug reports to sell on the side. So for those of you who are unfamiliar HackerOne is a platform for coordinating vulnerability disclosures and then intermediating monetary rewards for the bug hunter submitting the security reports. So in essence, a broker between the security researcher and the organization that will pay the bounty. Now, some folks in cyber can make significant money going through the work of determining and submitting bug reports. And this is actually a very good setup the way that it works. You have folks willing to help and folks willing to pay and the matching of the two. But when you get somebody in the middle there as a broker, there is the opportunity for interception and fraud. And that's what happened at this point in time because a hacker one employee stole vulnerability reports submitted through the bug bounty platform and then disclosed them to the affected customers and then collected the bounty themselves. After an investigation, as you might suspect, on June 30th, HackerOne terminated the employment of this individual. The next article comes from Inside Cybersecurity and is actually from June 7th, but I thought that this was important for both practitioners and small and mid-sized business personnel and executives to keep on their radar particularly on the SMB side, because many of them align to the NIST Cybersecurity Framework, or NSF. You may recall that this framework was first released by NIST in 2013. The last revision was 1.2. And this revision is shaping up to be a major revision, 2.0. NIST had published an RFI, which resulted in 134 comments back on a variety of topics and a diverse range of stakeholders. 
some of the changes that may take place could be to the structure itself. One specific item that they're talking about enhancing is how to incorporate supply chain cybersecurity or third-party risk into the CSF. Supply chain, third-party risk has certainly always been an issue, but attention to it has increased significantly over the last couple of years. Other potential upgrades to the framework is a way to potentially enhance how the mapping is done between CSF and some of the other frameworks. So stay tuned. No timeline for when the first draft may be introduced, but certainly it'll probably be not too long from now. From Cyber News, in space, cutting losses invite cyber attacks. This is significant as it's been noted before, and I believe I've mentioned it on this podcast, that Russia and China are increasingly uneasy with Starlink. That's Elon Musk's SpaceX web, if you will, of satellites that provide internet access worldwide, including in the Ukraine-Russia war. It has obviously had some impact there. When you have more impact, particularly when you're talking about a geopolitical impact, then you also have the potential to invite more attacks. And some might say that because some of the satellites that are up there today aren't really dedicated hardware in that it was designed just for the purpose. That was the case back in the early days of the space program in the 60s and the 70s. And But now, off-the-shelf hardware and software is used to create and operate the satellite and satellite networks. In other words, there's no difference between these types of networks and networks on Earth. Interesting article, a short interview with a retired Israeli general on their opinion. And like the NIST item, I think it's something particularly for security practitioners. And as we think more about the security of the United States on this Independence Day, that we need to keep first and foremost in our mind. And finally, returning to the bug bounty. From computing, bug bounty programs offer hope for cyber skills gap. The article notes that bug bounty programs have increased and offer an opportunity to help close that gap or perceived gap between the skills that are needed and the employers out there. And I'll explain why I say perceived gap in just a moment. According to the survey, that is noted in the article, half of the respondents said they used bug bounty hunting to learn useful, relevant knowledge compared to just 11% who said their job was their primary source of knowledge. Now, I say perceived because sometimes I get the impression that there is a substantial amount of cyber talent out there. And I see this from LinkedIn posts of folks that are looking to either break into the field or to perhaps move up in the field. 
And yet on the other side, employers saying that, well, it's difficult to find quality talent. I think I have a solution for that, or at least one proposed way to address it. And I'll talk about that in 30 seconds. I've been in the industry, IT and InfoSec for quite some time, seen a lot, seen a lot of evolution in the field and including the whole recruitment process. Now, back in the day when I started, when I was recruiting folks after I got to a point where I was supervising folks and actually one of my first jobs, my first full-time job was um, supervising part-time student assistants. So I've been in the hiring process pretty much since day one of my full-time career. And back then, I received all of the resumes and cover letters, and there was no social media to check up on and verify and research a candidate further. It was just simply, you got the paperwork, you read what was on the paperwork, you then decided which one seemed to be a potential fit. Then you did an introductory interview and maybe then you brought them in afterwards and talked to them and you hired them. Pretty simple process. Somewhere along the line, in order to become more efficient, we've become less productive in that process, in my opinion. Now, part of it maybe is on the applicant's fault in that this idea of just spray your resume and applications out and see what sticks that really kind of hurts the process on the front end because then you have HR managers that are dealing with all of these applications coming in and they are the filterers of the applications that come in. So over time, what developed were systems that could automatically filter these sort of an artificial intelligence first line of defense. If you didn't meet certain keywords in a resume or in an application, then you were immediately dropped. No human eyes taking a look at it. I understand the reason for that, the efficiency to try to get to the right candidate, but the problem is that you could very well not get to the right candidate because you could discard the right candidate. And on the flip side, this has also changed how candidates try to present themselves. I mentioned at one point in time on LinkedIn that um, just recently I had a post about the try hack me. Now I've never researched what try hack me is, but I get an idea of what it is from seeing others who have done it. It sounds interesting. Great, great thing. But, but the, the thing that kind of piqued my interest on this was people were adding it to their LinkedIn profile. Like the, the first thing they say, try hack me top 1%. I had no idea what that meant. And I'm thinking, is this some sort of hiring metric now that people are using? No, it's just another way that candidates in this completely information-saturated world are trying to get their their names, their faces, their qualifications in front of the right people. Because now people, when they do start reviewing, uh, they probably will go out to social media and just see, well, what do you have on LinkedIn? I can learn a little bit more about you. Those sorts of things. Nothing wrong with that. That's why LinkedIn exists. But the problem here is that, again, we're sort of short-circuiting the process by potentially not bringing into the process to begin with the right people for the eventually the person who's going to be doing the interview to actually hire. So 
My solution, I submit, is that we have abandoned the most critical part of the hiring process, and that is the person responsible for the position. And CISOs, you're ultimately responsible for cybersecurity. They or subordinates who are delegated should be first reviewing all the applications that come in. Now, you can use AI as maybe a method to help put into certain buckets. I get that. But look over every resume because chances are you're missing that diamond in the rough. And so when you have companies that say, well, we can't find qualified cyber candidates when they could very well have now discarded the cyber candidate that was the one perfect fit due to this filtering process. Their their problem will persist. And on the other hand, we also talk about mentoring in information security. Sometimes the right candidate may not be someone who has the credentials, but has the capacity to learn. And I understand that that's an excellent, excellent example of where Try Hack Me comes into play. The bottom line is that, from my point of view, a solution to this perceived, maybe it's not quite as big a gap as we think it is, this perceived cyber skills gap is to do a better job of matching the right people with the right, right job, and it starts with the chief information security officer. Finally, I'd like to wish you a very happy and safe 4th of July. Happy Independence Day and stay secure.